0: If you're enjoying the podcast, then you might want to check out some of the other things I'm working on behind the scenes. I put out a weekly newsletter called Momentum Monday, which is just a quick synthesis of everything I've been reading, listening to, and watching during the week. I also do a a once-a-month deep dive called The Distillery, which is a long-form distillation on someone whose thinking has greatly impacted me. You can check out past distillations of Josh Waitzkin, Yen Liao, and Nick Konis, and everything else we're putting on at whatgotyouthere.com.
1: The thing that I know about life is that if you're not willing to take risk, if you're not willing to fail, then you can never be great. <laughs> you just you just won't. You've got to be willing to take risk. And uh, you've got to be willing to fail. Um, you've got to be willing to uh, endure if they laugh at you. I, I, I don't care if they laugh at me. I, I don't care. And a matter of fact, I need to know that I'm going to fail. I need to know that, that it's not going to work the first time because of what I'm reaching for. If what I'm trying to get is, is really special, then many other there are many other people that are afraid to reach for it. But I am not going to be afraid. I am not going to let them, uh, the fear of them laughing at me, keep me from reaching for it. I'm going to reach for that piece of fruit, and I'm going to get it. And if I fail, so be it guess what? I'm going to wake up tomorrow and I'm going to try it again. And guess what? If I fail tomorrow, I'm going to come back the next day and I'm going to try it again. Because that is what life is all about. Nobody's ever done anything great that have not fallen flat on their face over and over and over again. So I'm going to join that club every time. I like that club.
0: Today, I sit down with NFL Hall of Famer and one of the top 100 greatest players of all time, former Chicago Bears linebacker, Mike Singletary. Mike was the heart of the defense for the Chicago Bears in the mid-1980s, who is known as the Monsters of Midway, one of the greatest defensive teams of all time. And Mike led them to a Super Bowl in Super Bowl 20, And he has just been known as one of the most ferocious, intense incredible leaders the NFL has ever seen. And that's what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk a lot about leadership, drive, self-belief, how to develop that, how to visualize what you're going after, and how to understand and get more out of yourself. And so if you're interested in leadership, in self-development, and understanding what it takes in the pursuit of greatness, you will love this conversation with Mike Singletary. I am thrilled to tell you about my new online personal growth course called You Unleashed. You Unleashed is for those people looking to burst through the walls of their previous limitations and fears and tap into their greater potential or what I call your You Unleashed self. This course is a culmination of the best things I've learned being a professional athlete, entrepreneur, investor, and spending thousands of hours sitting down with world-class performers on this podcast to uncover what you need to raise your potential to a new level. This course is going to give you clarity of what an extraordinary life looks like and who you need to become in order to achieve that life. Now, I'll provide you with the mindsets, behaviors, and actions you need to bring out your Unleashed Self. You'll uncover your deeper why, your values, and your life philosophy that will guide you moving forward. So the question is, why haven't you unleashed your full potential yet? You only get one shot at this life, so what are you waiting for? You're meant to become extraordinary. We all are. So if you're interested in stepping into your potential and cultivating the type of life you've been dreaming of, then check out my You Unleash course by clicking below or going to whatgotyouthere.com forward slash you dash unleashed. And because you listen to the podcast, I'm giving you 50% off the entire course for a limited time by using code WGYT. That's what got you forward slash you dash unleashed and use code WGYT for 50% off. Mike, welcome to what got you there. How are you doing today?
1: I'm doing well. I bet so.
0: I'm doing really well. I cannot wait for this conversation. There's so many things that I just want to uncover about you, but I'm actually really intrigued to start around certain inflection points and big moments in people's lives. And so growing up, my my favorite NFL player was Ray Lewis, and he said there was a moment with you when you were coaching him, and this was against the Jets, where you looked him right in the eyes and you said you have to be in control. You've got to be in complete control when you're running that defense. Uh, I'm wondering, do you remember this moment because the impact it had on him?
1: I do. I, I remember it very well. Um, we were in a tight game, and it was a situation in which uh, the Jets were going up and down the field. Um, Coach Nolan, who was the defense coordinator, was calling uh, a particular play and uh, defense, and Ray didn't think it was working. And, of course, when the game is not going the way you wanted it to go, you're just frustrated. So everything that Mike was sending in, Ray was hey, that's not working, that's not working. And uh, with Ray being a leader, when you're the leader of a defense um, or quarterback or middle linebacker, however that is, you've got to be the one because everybody's looking at you. You've got to be the one to say, hey, you know what, guys, let's let's just keep focused. Let, let let's let's stay focused on the task at hand and let's make this work. And um, let, let's not start blaming anyone. Let's not start. Let's look within ourselves instead of looking around, and and begin to make a difference. And so, uh, I, I just wanted Ray to understand that Ray has always been a great leader. But that's one of the things that I remember doing at times as a leader when things got hot. I'm starting to look around and yell at other guys, and you know, the coordinators say, "Hey, hey, buddy, you know, can, can we get something else that's not working?" And it's like, you know what? I, I remembered that, and it's kind of like. No, that that's when the coach needs you on the field. Where are my leaders? When it gets hot, who's going to step up and say, hey, look, coach made the call on the sideline, but he can't play this game. We're playing the game. So let's make sure that we take it out of his hand once we get the call and let's take it over. Let's execute. And um, so Ray understood that. He, he got it right away and, and we went forward and, and won the game and, and uh, he learned a tremendous lesson that day.
0: Yeah, Mike, I'm wondering for you, is that a skill you were able to develop over time? Just that ability to remain calm and in control when everything else around you is pretty chaotic?
1: You know what? I, I think um, when you come from my background, there was so much going on. There was so much chaos You know, uh, whether it was my mom and dad fighting, my sisters and brothers fighting, whether it was uh, police coming and knocking at my door, taking a brother to jail or a sister having a baby out of wedlock, Like it it was a lot going on growing up and and you you learn how to to just kind of either you lose your mind or you learn how to say, you know, somehow, some way, Lord, you you, got to you got to take this. You got to take over here. And, um, that's kind of something that, that I developed over time.
0: I'm just thinking about you as a competitor, as a person, the word I think about a lot with you is intensity. And I'm sure there's a lot of people that think about intensity for you. Is that something that you are able to control on and off the field? Or is that type of intensity? Does that have to just encompass your entire life?
1: Uh, that intensity really came about when I was uh, 12 years old, when I set my vision statement about what I was going to do, what I wanted to do with my life, and and once I made up my mind and wrote it out and put it on the wall, I, I remember at the same time praying and uh, asking the Lord to uh, to help me uh, do those things, and and if He would help me, I I always. I would always do my best in the classroom, out of the classroom, on the field, as a person. So always being the best that I could possibly be. Um, that's the thing that I, the promise that I made at 12 years old. Hmm.
0: That's, it, that just internal drive and awareness is pretty remarkable at that age, right? To get that clear on what you're going after. What What prompted that for you? Because there's plenty of people that never even think with that type of intensity of what they want in life all the way through their lives. So for you to do that at 12, that's pretty remarkable.
1: Well, I, I think it was, uh, it, it was uh, the next man on deck. Mm. You know, my dad had just left home. Um, my brother, Grady, um, was killed in an automobile accident uh, six months later. And I was just kind of paralyzed for a minute. And um, my mom challenged me to uh, stand up and be the man of the house. And and, uh, at 12 years old, I was like, wow, I'm the last of 10 kids. I'm the smallest of 10 kids, the least talented of 10 kids. How is she going to ask me to be the man of the house? But I I really saw that she believed in me and there wasn't anybody else. And so um, at that moment, I made a decision, a conscious decision to say, you know what, mom, I can do that. And I walked in my room. And I, I believe that there are things that we think about all of our lives. And, um, most of the time we talk ourselves out of it, but that day I couldn't talk myself out of it. I, I all I could do was write it down. And, uh, I think that's why a lot of people are afraid to write their dreams down, their goals down because they're afraid it's going to be too hard. And, and, and they, they've got to live up to it. Um, but I, I took the courage that day to write it out and put it on my wall and, and begin to live it out because that's what I really wanted to do, and um, you know one by one it came to pass.
0: Man, I, I'm just thinking, Mike, about that moment. You even used the word paralyzed, right? Like so many people stay and remained paralyzed, like for someone who is in that state that they just can't they can't walk into that bedroom and put the stuff their their uh, their vision down into writing is there anything that you've been able to do throughout the years when you're looking a great challenge in the face and you kind of feel that inner turmoil for a second is there anything you do to step forward into growth there
1: I think um one of the things that that I learned as as at that same time you know I begin to read books and listen to videos about how to visualize you know, visualization is really, really important. And being able to close my eyes when I felt um, I was going in the wrong direction, when I felt like nothing was working out. And um, I close my eyes and just say, you know what? Somehow, some way. I am what I say I am. I, I am going to make it. I am. Um, a great player. I am a great student. I am a great person and, and begin to say those things over and over. And, and really, um, it's, it's, it's it kind of gets you out of that place and you begin to, you don't just say it, but you all be, you, you, you begin to see it. I truly believe that the mind is so much, uh, more powerful than we give it credit for. And I think so many of us don't even know that we can do that, but I can remember closing my eyes and seeing myself doing great things and, and calling myself to, if, if, if I couldn't see it, if, if I couldn't make it happen naturally, then somehow, some way in my mind, I, I will make it happen supernaturally. And, and when I made it happen supernaturally, when I was able to see it, it's kind of like um, uh, the term, you know, if I can see it in my mind's eye, then I can see it in my natural eye. But I got to see it inside first before I ever see it outside. And to me, I know that's true for, for my life.
0: Uh, Mike, that's 100% true for mine as well. I, I've been doing visualization for 20-plus for years now, and it sounds like this was early in your life. I used it in sports. I use it in, in everything I do now. Uh, I, I'm wondering, for, for you to figure out exactly what you're trying to go towards in life, for you, how do you get that clarity? I think you seem incredibly focused and driven towards those things that are really important and impactful for you. And one of the questions I get a lot is people seem like they don't even have any clarity. they don't know what to go after. So wh- what do you do, and how do you get that inner calmness to understand what you want to go after?
1: I think uh, I, I think it comes down to first of all, being um, coming to the realization that that there's something more to life than what I'm seeing. Um, I think sometimes, you know we spend so much time. Just living and, and going from one thing to the next, you know, going from one experience to the next and not being intentional about who we are. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's, it's like uh, being on, on a treadmill uh, uh, and you just going and it's like, wait a minute, hold on. I, I, I mean, everybody's telling me what I should do. Everybody's telling me the direction that I should go in. They don't know me. And it's like, if anybody should be making those decisions, it should be me. And, and so I, I think it's, it's taking the time to step back and really realize, what is a life that I would be really proud of? What, what, what is a life that, as I live it, what, what is it that, that would make me take a step back and say, wow, that's something, that, that's a life worth living? And then being able to go to the next step and write it out. What does that look like? Um, and then not allowing myself to talk myself out of it. That's what it is. Then that's what I'm going to do. Now I got to begin to set that path. I got to begin to put the roadmap in place. And that's, you know, i got to do this every day. I've got to do this every week. I've got to do this every month. And so having those goals in place, it always kept me on on that right and, and narrow road um and not be able to talk myself out of it and that's why it's so important that you write it down because there were days that I came in and I sat down and and if I didn't have it written on the board I would say man forget this this is the dumbest thing I could ever think of because everybody else is certainly agreeable to the lower things that you can do in life but only a handful of people maybe one or two will be able to see something great in you and those are the people that you need to allow to speak into your life. Um, and it's, it's hard to find them. You know, normally it's a mom or a dad uh, or maybe a close relative or a coach or a teacher. Um, but it's not a lot of people that's, that's willing to say, hey, you can do this. You got this. Most people are going to tell you, man, it's too hard. That doesn't make sense. I wouldn't do that if I were you.
0: Waste of time. It, it's incredible the, the impact that a single comment by someone we look up to, how that can alter the trajectory in our life, both to the negative to defeat us or to the positive. I I was fortunate in the seventh grade, I had a coach who told me that the best advice I ever received, and that's the only person who can stop Sean Delaney is Sean Delaney. He understood the internal game and, and the focus you needed. And something you brought up a second ago, Mike, that I'm just completely on the same wavelength with you is the question around who do I want to be in life? Not what, what am I going to do? Who do I want to be and who am I going to show up as every single day? I, I love that thought experiment you bring up of fast-forwarding toward the end of your life and what does an exceptional life look like and how do I need to show up? I just thought that was just really, really great, and I just wanted to, to highlight that there. You mentioned the impact that your mom's comment had on you and that it's hard to find these people who are going to give that type of positive feedback to us. What, what did she see in you? Clearly, there, there was something already there, right? And, and I'm wondering, what specifically do you think it was?
1: Uh, I'm sorry. You kind of froze up on me there for a bit. Yeah, did you I'm, say that last
0: part again? Yep. Yeah. Y- your mom, when, when you were 12, basically was like, Mike, you've got to be the man of the house here. And you said you were the youngest of all the children in that house. And so what do you think it was she saw inside of you that you could step up and do that?
1: I, I think she saw that I was a fighter. Hmm. I I think she saw early on that I was always with her because for the first few years of my life I was in and out of the hospital, I had respiratory issues, and uh, but I was I was always willing to listen. And so I, I think um there's something about being a listener. Uh mom taught me very early on, how about be quiet and, and just listen? And I, I learned how to listen. And and when she told me that, I believed her. when she told me that I, I believed her and, and um, that is another part of it. Being, being able to have someone that's given you information that you really trust. And I trusted my mom and and I believed her when she said there was greatness in me. And it's the only thing is that all that I needed is it, it, kind of like that, that one word that I needed. When she said, there's greatness in you. I know it's there. I've seen it. And, uh, but, but if you give up now, you will never, never see it in life. And so, um, and then that's when she asked me the question to be the man of the house, if I could do that. And so for me, uh, uh, I think oftentimes we just need someone to call it. We just need someone to believe in us. We just need someone to, to say that word. Hey, it's there. It's in you. What are you doing? What, what are you thinking? That's not who you are. This is who you are. Let's go pick it up. And uh, sometimes that's all we need to hear to pick it up and and go again. Yeah.
0: Mike, I, I'm so impressed by your ability to learn across mul- multiple things you've done throughout your life. And and there's a story or just a time period early on in your career. I know you wanted to be a three down back there, and that wasn't the opportunity. You were playing first down and second down. Do you know what I'm talking about here? Where you had to oh, go? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I would love for you just to describe this because I I think we can look and idolize someone like yourself. I mean, you're one of the 100 greatest players of all time. And a lot of people, I think, all right, well, it was pretty easy for Mike. And that's not the case at all here with how you had to work. So I would love for you just to talk about this.
1: Well, um, you know, Buddy Lyon wasn't a, uh, an
0: easy guy to,
1: to work with. He was, you know, from the time I got there, I thought he hated me. Uh, and so with my, my first year and a half, um, I'm going in and out of the game and, and I'm asking, buddy, buddy, I, I, I got to play. I got to be on nickel. I, I want to be a defensive player of the year. I want to be most valuable player in the league. And, and so for me to do that, I need to play every down. And he said, well, Mike, you know, with all the responsibilities of my Mike linebacker, I've never had a Mike linebacker play third down. So I said, well, what if you did? What would it look like? And he said, well, we don't need to talk about that. You know, let's just concentrate. You know, you're getting your, your feet under you. You're learning the system. You're calling the plays. That's great. You're making the adjustment. That's all you need to do right now. And um, so I said, well, buddy, if I were the third down linebacker, what would I have to do? What? How? You know, he said, well, number one, you're too big. You, you got to take on blocks. You got to be able to move. You got to go out and you got to cover receiver. You got to cover running backs, tight ends. That's tough to do. And I need you to be in there so you can take on those big blockers. I said, well, what if I did? What if I did get down to the size that I needed to be where you trusted me to cover tight ends and running back? What would that look like? "Uh, Look, we don't need to talk about that. So, well, what if I did? Just, just, what if I did? Well, you'd probably need to get down to around 225. I said, okay. So when I went home that summer, um, I came back at 226, And, uh, so buddy, so why, why did you lose all that weight? I said, well, I want to be the third down linebacker. I want to be the nickel linebacker. Said, well, didn't I tell you, you were not going to play on third down. Now you got to take on those guys. How are you going to take it on? I said, that's my job. I got that. Don't worry about that. I can figure that out. And so every day when I, when I went to practice, when we finished nine on seven, then the DBs and, and the, uh, the nickelbackers and the corners and, and the receivers would go down there and, and go against each other. So instead of me going over there and, and taking a knee, I would go down there and cover receivers. But buddy said, well, why are you going down there to cover receivers? I said, well, you know, one day I'm going to play nickel, so I'm, I, I need to get ready. And he said, I told you you're not going to play on a nickel. I said, okay, that, that's fine, but I just need to do it. That's, that's my time. I can do what I want. So I went down there and covered receivers every day. Well, we're about in our third or fourth game, and the nickel backer gets hurt. And buddy's looking around, where, where, where's my where, where's my backup? Where, I ran in the game. Buddy said, wait a minute, what are you doing? You're not. I said, give me the call. You're gonna have to call a timeout. I got it. Let me go. He's cursing me for everything he can think of. But I make a play. And then I make another play. And then I make another play. And for the next 10 years, I'm the nickel linebacker.
0: There's so much to this story. First off, just you seem to approach the world very optimistically. Like, you're, Buddy's saying all of these things around, like, basically trying to stop you before you even start. And you keep seeing the, the possibility in things, But not only that, it's not just like I'm seeing the possibilities. You took the work and you showed up consistently every day that summer to get down to 226. And then when opportunity presented itself, you were able to execute because of all the days in practice that you showed up. And instead of taking a knee, you went out and you guarded the receivers. I mean, it's just, I, I just love hearing about this because the amount of focus and work you put in is just very impressive. And I, I want other people to learn from you and, and what they can do. W- one of the words you've said a few times now is just consistency. And I would love to hear your thoughts around consistency in the approach of greatness.
1: I I think um, if, if you're going to talk about being good at something, being great at something, um, it's going to come from consistency. Consistency, to me, is the thing that developed habits. And and so for me, when I was very fortunate to have coaches, when they taught me something, I I, I did it over and over and over again uh, until I didn't have to think about it. And and then when I did it the best that I could, uh, the the way that they had me do it, then I kind of took it and then made it my own. Mm -hmm. I kind of had ownership of it. And not only was I doing what they were doing, but I took it and and made it something that I did and then took it to another level. So, uh, but you can't do that without consistency. And when I was coaching, I tell guys, when you go home, that's when greatness starts. When you do the work after practice, it's the work when you come before practice, when you stay after practice, it's the things that you do that no one sees. Only you see them because you believe them. That's when greatness happens. Um, Because a lot of times we do things so other people can see us. So we can say, see, I'm doing the work. It's just not happening. But if we really believe it, then we'll go home when no one's looking at us and we'll continue to do it because it's an inside out thing. And it's not something that we're hoping that they see us. I don't care if anybody sees me. They will see it when they see me do what I'm supposed to be doing. And they'll know that there is something different. This guy is continuing to improve. This person is continuing to get better. How in the world are they doing that just in the time that we're doing it? Hmm. Well, greatness is all about when practice is over, when work is over, when everybody else has gone home. It's the extra that you're able to do. It's the extra that you're willing to do. And so for me, it's all about doing those things consistently every day, doing them every time I think about it. You know, when I I worked on the art of hitting and I worked on that and worked on that, always looking at what I was hitting, always having the right body posture, always being just in the right place taking on blockers and getting off of them and doing the thing. All of those things, I did those at home. And then when I did it physically at home, then I would sit down and put on music and do it mentally at home. Now, that's something that I did all the time. And when you do those things, it becomes second nature. So when you get on the field, it's not something that you have to think about, something that, well, I wonder how I'm going to do this. I wonder, no, 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 no. It, it, you you are ready to go. You're just ready for the whistle to blow, so you can go and do what you do.
0: Mike, can you even go a little bit further there on the mental preparation? You said you put on the music and you're visualizing the execution of a perfect tackle. So, are you just visualizing this again and again while the music's playing?
1: Absolutely. Yeah. Um, while the music is playing, I'm I'm just I got quiet, soft music playing. Not nine times out of ten, it's it's Beethoven, it's it's Bach, it's you know. Normally, orchestra music um, that that allows me to be in the moment and and allows me to take that music and and when I close my eyes on that field, that's what I'm seeing. You know, you've done this you you you're going to you, you're going to knock this out the park, Mike. This is going to be a great day. This game is already done. You've already played this game, and so now it's just going out and executing it. So when you have the consistency and you've created the habits of doing things great and you have the visualization, now it brings on the confidence when you go out on the field. It's not cockiness. It's confidence. It's knowing that, you know what, I am mentally and physically prepared for greatness today. I will accept nothing less than that. And so to me, that that kind of is what it comes down to.
0: I know this isn't this isn't black or white, this isn't binary. Which one for you was harder to get to that level of greatness, the mental side of things or the physical side of things?
1: The mental is always more difficult. Um, the mental is always difficult because you, you have to get in the state of mind. And oftentimes the atmosphere is not conducive to um getting the mental thought right. I mean, you can't just close your eyes and sit down and, and think, okay, yeah, okay, I see it. No, you, it's there's a difference in in just closing your eyes and saying, I'm great. Um, uh, I I am special. Uh, I am smart. Um, I am above and beyond. You know, it's, it's one thing to say those things, but it's another thing it, it takes you time to allow that to marinate so that now I'm not just saying it, but I'm seeing it and I'm experiencing it in my mind. And uh, it's a shame that that uh, so many people we live in the world today where I feel it's really difficult for young people to begin to see dreams and and have time to understand the power that they can create in their minds making their dreams come become a reality because there's so many distractions right now you know we're always looking at our phones and we're always talking to our phones we're always listening to what they are saying on our phone you know this phone can go 24 hours a day and and it's hard sometimes uh, I'm I'm getting on my phone looking for something, and before you know it, I'm looking at something else, and it's like, well, how in the heck did I get here? Let me get back to what I'm doing. Yeah. And so today, it's so difficult. Uh, young people got to fight with themselves to make sure that they stay focused. That, that's the toughest thing today for a lot of young people is just to have the focus of what it is that I need to be doing in the first place to even become um, a good person, a a, a good student, a good player. Um, So there there are a lot more distractions today than there was when I was a kid.
0: Yeah, Yeah, focus. I mean, that's just a superpower alone. If you can put the attention where it needs to go at this day and age that's good that's going to be an accelerator without a doubt one, one of the things i'm really intrigued by you mentioned confidence a few minutes ago and i'm just wondering for you especially in the nfl when did the tide start to shift where you really had that confidence or maybe it was always there i'm just wondering when you realized that you know what i think i could really be one of the all-time greats of this sport
1: i gotta be honest with you and and this is going to sound arrogant At 12 years old, when I wrote that down and I put it on the wall, I believed it then. I I just needed the opportunity. I I felt that I could be great. I felt that I could be special. And um, the more I begin to do it and good things begin to happen, the more I did it. Mm -hmm. And the more I did it, uh, the better I played. And so that, that confidence and, and, and it's, it's really interesting and it's um, there's a thin line between having that confidence and then being cocky and, and that thin line really makes a big difference. And the attitude uh, to me was the separation and the attitude was always knowing the truth. I know that it was God. I know that God was my strength. I know that, that God was, was the one that that allowed me to to become great and allowed me to have this focus, um, and so that that was always being true to myself and making sure that I didn't take the focus on me and say, "Hey, it's me." You know, I always knew I was great. I always knew, no, I didn't. Um, but I just believe because of who he was, who he is, then then I can be something very special because. He put it in me, he put it in you, he put it in all of us. Whatever we do, we can be great at it if we're willing to to do the little things and and pay the price.
0: Yeah, Mike, that that's not I I don't view that as arrogant at all because the the number of Olympic gold medalists, world champions that had that belief at such a young age, um it it comes up again and again. Um so I, I don't view that as arrogant. I think it's incredible that you're able to pass that message on because we do have some young people who listen to the show to hear someone like yourself reiterating that when they have that little pocket of that little internal knowing that, that they're capable of something. I just think that's incredible. I, I would love for to know, you mentioned when you were coaching some of the the things you would tell your players, Is is there anything else that consistently showed up again and again that you would reiterate to all your teams or players you were working with?
1: I think the biggest thing is, is so many players sell themselves short. Um, You know, uh, there's so often in life that we go through things early on and and we get scarred and, and um, you know, we're afraid to try again. We're afraid to reach, you know, it's okay for things that that we're, we're supposed to be things that we're supposed to reach. But when we get, to that next level and we have the opportunity to reach for things that nobody else is reaching for. Um, a lot of times we can, we fear that we, there may be ridicule of people saying, who do you think you are? You know, that's never been done. How, how do you think you can do it? Or, you know, you don't have what it takes. You, you're not better than me. You know, you don't have what I have. So, so why, why are you even thinking like that? And, and so I I think a lot of times I've seen kids, uh, young men and and young women that have so much talent um, that that if they could just believe that, you know what? Even if you can't see it, man, just start somewhere doing the little things, just just taking a step. And once you begin to take small steps and, and you'll see that things will begin to happen and that consistency that comes with it, and then that confidence that comes with it, then, then if, if you will do those things, then, then it'll all come into place, but I, I just think that sometimes the fear of failure uh, is in our minds, and, and we don't want to we, we don't want to start something and not finish it. We don't want to start something and come up short. Um, we don't want to make that commitment um, and it not work out and, and have our hearts broken. But you know what? The thing that I know about life is that if you're not willing to take risk, if you're not willing to fail, then you can never be great. (laughs) You just you just won't. You've got to be willing to take risk and uh, you've got to be willing to fail. Um, You've got to be willing to uh, endure if they laugh at you. I, I don't care if they laugh. I, mean, I, I don't care. And a matter of fact, I need to know that I'm going to fail. I need to know that, that it's not going to work the first time because of what I'm reaching for. If what I'm trying to get is, is really special, then many other, there are many other people that are afraid to reach for it. But I am not going to be afraid. I am not going to let them, uh, the fear of them laughing at me keep me from reaching for it. I'm going to reach for that piece of fruit and I'm going to get it. And if I fail, so be it. Guess what? I'm going to wake up tomorrow and I'm going to try it again. And guess what? If I fail tomorrow, I'm going to come back the next day and I'm going to try it again because that is what life is all about. Nobody's ever done anything great that have not fallen flat on their face over and over and over again. So I'm going to join that club every time. I like that club.
0: Mike, I can without a doubt say that's one of my favorite two minutes in five plus years doing this show, the amount of incredible wisdom in those two minutes. Uh, I just thank you for that because that was incredible. It, it's what, What's what's coming out is just the, the ability you have as a great leader. And I would love to know when you hear that term leader or leadership, what comes to mind for you of what makes an exceptional leader? I know you've hit on some things. But I would also just love to hear the total scope of how you think about leadership.
1: I think um, leadership is all about the things that what I'm what I'm trying to get from someone else. Uh, I, here's a great example. I remember coming home and uh, I was getting on my kids about not putting their stuff away. You know, your, your shoes are all over the place. You know, your coats over there, your books over there. And, you know, you got to you got to put stuff away. You know, you think we don't have maids around here. Let's go. And my wife pulled me aside and said, Mike, your stuff is out there. You know, your, your shoes are over there. And I said, Well, you know, I pay the bills here. You know, this. Is, what do you mean? I, I'm, I'm the man. I'm dad. That's, that's OK. And she said uh, something really important. You know, Mike, that's kind of hypocritical if, if you're going to tell them to do it. But you don't do it. just because you're dad? Is that really right? And I had to think about that. And and it taught me a great lesson about leadership that I thought I already knew. I I did it at work, but I didn't do it at home. But leadership is all about the things that I want to see in other people. Can they see them in me? Am Am I emulating that every day? Or is it one of those do as I say and not as I do. That makes a very poor leader. Um, and to me, that, I, I've done that at times and it never works. But if those that I'm leading, if I'm going to call myself a leader, then I need to lead the way by serving them, by making sure that they can look at me and without me having to say anything, if they can look at me and say, that's the way, I don't need to say a word but they can see that's the way that's what a leader is. That's it. It, it, You know, we, we make it difficult. You know, a leader is born. Are they, are they made? I tell you what, all I know is that a leader is one that's doing it. Hmm. And when they open their mouths, they're consistent with what they ask you to do with what you see in them. That's what a leader is. Hmm.
0: It's almost like there's, there's even different levels of leadership. I'm just thinking about the incredible Bears teams you were part of. And the play, you became the leader of a team that I have to assume was filled with leaders. So I, this is a hard question to answer because I should almost be interviewing the other players. But like, what was it in you that they were like, this is our guy?
1: I, I think they knew that uh, it was almost comical, what I believe. I remember my second year when I was telling guys we're gonna go to the Super Bowl. And there were guys like Mike, we we don't go to the Super Bowl. That's for teams like Miami and San Francisco and you know Denver and Dallas. But we don't we don't go to the Super Bowl. And I said, We are. We're gonna go. And it's like Mike, you know, just <laughs> cool out, man. I we we're not, but I I I was I was working to go to the Super Bowl. And I remember when I went to college, it was the same thing. When I went to college, um, when I went to Baylor, we were the, um, I think out of the 128 Division I schools, I think when I went there, we were like 120 or something like that. We weren't very good. And everybody said, why do you go to Baylor? Well, number one, it was the only school that offered me a scholarship. But number, (laughs) number two is, I loved going to Baylor because we weren't very good. But guess what? We were about to be good. Why? Because my singletary was there. Not so much just because I was there, but because a leader was there. And, and to me, something happens when a leader shows up. A leader makes a difference. A leader is a spark. A leader is like a, uh, you can have a box of matches and all you need is for that one match. To strike. And man, it catches on. All the others catch on. And before you know it, you're on. I I tell you a a story about um, uh, I remember my second year, and I got on the bus, and we had just lost to Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay was the worst team in the league, and we weren't far from them. And I get on the plane, it's our last game of the season. I mean, I get on the bus to go to the airport, and it was our last game of the season. Uh, Steve McMichael, I sit next to Steve McMichael, and Steve McMichael looks at me, and he says, Samurai, don't look like we're going to make it. We're the worst team in the league. We're awful. And um, I had told Steve that I want to be all pro. And Steve said, "Um, Samurai, you know what? You're not going to make all pro. Guys like you and me, we don't make all pro. Uh, that's for guys like, uh, Walter Payton and Dan Hampton, who was drafted first round. People know them. I got up out of my, my seat. Uh, first of all, I, I took his arm off my shoulder and, and I got up out of my seat and I looked at him and I said, don't ever tell me what I can and cannot do. I said, I'm going to the pro bowl. You may not go, but I'm going to the pro bowl and we're going to the super bowl. You may not go. And I got up and I moved. And he said, okay, I guess you think you're really something. But you know what, guess what? I did make All Pro um, that next year. And the next year after that, so did Steve. And so to me, when when someone is a leader, they're willing to believe, they're willing to, to work like the thing that they're happening you see it in them. You see that there's something. I, I remember being on the field and tears were in my eyes because we weren't practicing the way we were supposed to practice. We weren't doing the things that great teams do. We weren't, uh, we weren't talking like great teams talk. We're talking about silly things, the stuff we did last night, stuff we did last week, stuff we did with, with a girl. And I'm like, what are we even talking about? We're, this is football. And, and I, you know, I'm not going home this year. We're going to the playoffs, man. We're going, we're going to the Super Bowl. So to me, a, a leader is like a prophet. It's like someone who's speaking and he's not speaking to you. He's speaking through you. Mm-hmm. And, and if, you, if, you're, if you're man enough or woman enough or big enough to be able to believe it and capture it, then you pass it on. If not, get out of the way. And, and so to me, that, that, that's what a leader is. You got to be able to see it in, in them. And, and they, they speak it and act that way every day. They don't come in one day and all of a sudden, oh, we're not good. You're right. We're not good. No. They, they, they're like the newspaper. They show up every day. It's the same thing. They show up at the same time. They're working. I don't care what it looks like, what happened yesterday. Today, they're back at it. You ready to go? Let's go. That's what it's all about to me. That's what a leader is.
0: Mike, you're hitting on one of those just incredibly powerful principles. I love the, the story around what, what, the, what the single match can do because it's so true. In a company, in a team, that one single spark, that one leader who comes in can forever change the trajectory of that entire organization. And I, I hope that's like a, a rally call to someone who knows that they have that capability within them to show up tomorrow, today, like that and start making that ripple, start making that impact. That's just so important. It's So crucial. I love how you lived that out. Where did, I? Uh, where did the nickname Samurai come from?
1: Samurai just came from, uh, uh, guys teasing me about the noises that I made. You know, I made a lot of noise when, when I played, you know, I was always ah! you know, screaming and, and, uh, this guy sounds like Bruce Lee. And, uh, so, when I hit somebody, I was screaming, so uh, everybody always thought I made a lot of noise that that sounded like those movies. So uh, that's kind of where it came from.
0: Yeah, it, it's funny just how clear you are and articulate you are around the important principles that that you've lived by. I know the, the Bushido samurai had an incredible code as well. So it's almost like I, I know you're using the noises there, but I, I hear that. And I just I just think about someone who's so principled and lives by those like the Samurais. I'm a huge admirer of, of the Samurais and some Eastern philosophy yeah. that, so it, it speaks highly to, to who you are and what you've been able to do. I, I'm really intrigued about the pursuit of greatness within an organization, and I'm not saying one is easier, one's harder. I'm wondering how they're different. The pursuit of trying to get to the top, what's the difference like of trying to get to the top as opposed to once you're finally on the top?
1: Uh, that's a really, really good question. Um, getting to the top, you know, when you, when you have a leader, a leader has to be, uh, transitional, um, getting to the top takes a different kind of leader. Um, I, I liken it to, um, I'm trying to think of, um, the, the Lakers team. I, I remember the, uh, Los Angeles Lakers and, and, um, the coach that they had, uh, the sharp dressing guy. He's, um,
0: are we talking Phil um, Jackson or are you talking with, uh, the one before him? Yeah.
1: Um, but I, I can't think of his name, but, but anyways, he was a hard working driving guy. Pat Riley? Um, Pat Riley. Yeah. He was, mm-hmm. he was focused. He was, he was on them. He was, Hey, this is the way we got to do it. This is the way we got to. And, and so, that to me, Pat Riley is kind of that guy, you know, after the game, you know, he's soaking wet, you know, he still looks sharp, but he's soaking wet, um, <laughs> pushing those guys and driving them. So to me, that that is the that's the kind of leader you need that knows that this is the work. We got to put in the work. I got young guys, I gotta develop them and and uh, uh, develop all this young talent and make it something special. And then when those guys were winners. Um, you know, a guy like Phil Jackson could come in. Um, you got to realize that now I've got a seasoned team and, and these guys are already winners. They know how to win. So I don't need to come in and, and drive them and, and drive them in the ground and, and, you know, beat them down because, they know what it takes to win. I'll kill them. If I do that, I will kill the spirit. If I do that, I've got leaders on this team. I will kill them. So a guy like uh, Phil Jackson can, can, you know, the most important thing for him to do is kind of find out who my leaders are and kind of depend on them, kind of nurture them, kind of let them know I'm for you. You guys already know how to win. You know what it takes to win. I'm with you. Um, And now I'm going to cheerlead you on. Let's go get it. You guys are great. And so to me, that is the transition of a leader that's driving them there. You're driving the herd. And then once they get there is being able to understand and know the difference in your style that now I just need to, I've taught them what I need to teach them. Now I need to rely on my leaders and make sure that I pour into them and allow them to continue my lessons and, and things that I've taught, let them do it. And, and, uh, I just need to now make sure that I kind of shepherd it. Hmm. So that that's the difference to me, if that
0: makes sense. No, 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 it does. Yeah, I'm wondering for you, you, you mentioned transitions. How have you been able to handle the different transitions in your life? I mean, you, you've had to the, not not reinvent, but you've you've gone from from different teams, different professions, and you've been able to do that really well. I'm just wondering what you've been able to do, or what you know that others could learn from with transitions in life. I I
1: think in transitions in life, for for me, the thing that I understand more so than anything else is as you go from player to coach and coach to teacher and trainer and business person, uh, CEO, however that is, it becomes very, very important um, to those are, that are around you. That's when it becomes really, really important who you're surrounded by. Because I, I've seen great leaders be surrounded by um, poor character and that just allowed them to um to live their lives below par you know as long as I'm uh still a part of the organization as long as I'm still a part of what you're doing I'm going to make sure that I don't say anything to to make you angry and I'm just going to say whatever makes you feel good uh I'm not going to say anything what you do is your business as long as I'm here and getting paid I'm good those kind of surroundings is is um is the death penalty for a great leader a great leader has to make sure that they continue to have around them great people, people that will challenge them, people that will speak into their lives, people that will let them know you know what that was not right That was not a good decision, but you know they're not saying it because they want to take your leadership role. they're saying it because They know you're going to damage the team. They know that you're going to do damage and and destroy what you've already built. So um, I just think a great leader has to have uh, a great supporting cast. Um, A great leader has to have a great spouse, uh, someone that really understands them, someone who really understands who they are, he or she, got to be able to sit down and say, hey, uh, you know, here's what we need at home to make it work. And uh, this is what I need from you. And um, be able to support them and uh, stand with them um, through thick and thin. Uh, to me, that that's really the key. And I, I think that when I think back on my own career, uh, I'm very, very fortunate to have a tremendous wife. And uh, when I made it to the Hall of Fame, She was the first wife to ever um, really uh, introduce her husband as the Hall of Fame guy. And I I remember looking at some of the former Hall of Fame players. You know, you never had a wife do that. And it was kind of like guys looking at me kind of goofy when she was the only one in the room of all men, all Hall of Famers. And I kind of like, you know, why is she why is she here? And I was looking at him. I say, you got a problem? (laughs) is is there any problem at all this is my wife this is my better half yeah i can't pick anybody else yeah all the stuff that she had to put up with me being so focused and so driven um yeah this is my partner she she is definitely has earned the right to be the one to say this is my husband and uh he's a hall of famer because without her that wouldn't happen
0: none of us do this alone what, what moment are you proudest of?
1: Uh, the moment that I'm proudest of is becoming a dad. Hmm. I think that's my proudest, uh, the thing that I'm most proud of. Uh, when I look back on my life, I, I think it's, it's being a dad and then being a good listener. Uh, because my wife was instrumental in being able to say, Mike, I think that's too hard. Mike, I I think you need to pull off. Mike, I think, uh, you know, your son here, your older son, he, he needs you more right now. Uh, the youngest daughter, uh, she, she's not sure if you love her or not. And so being able to have those conversations, being able to really work with my wife and, and being able to work those conversations through and, and be able to handle the kids, um, the right way, being able to, make sure that my relationship at home with my wife was uh the best that it could possibly be being make making sure that we continue to have our date night and uh, making sure that we didn't get lost in the shuffle um and and that could be hard at times but um those are my proudest moments the thing that i've done as a husband and as a father
0: mike as someone who cares deeply about their family my my spouse my young kids this I just love hearing this. Some, someone like yourself that I look up to, have learned a great deal from. Uh, that that means a lot coming from you. A, at this current chapter in your life, like, what are you really going after right now? I, I know you're always driven, always always doing something. What, what is that right now in your life?
1: The thing right now that I'm most driven by is uh, being able to at this point. Uh, with the 501c3 that, that we have uh, changed in our perspective, um, being able to bring this country together, this gap that we have in our country, being able to somehow, some way help um, by improving the education um, and health and mental wellness um, to the people of America and begin to work through the stuff and really have organizations and individuals that can uh be involved and and really be begin to have a solution. I I would love to see America go to the Super Bowl mm-hmm. if if there's such a thing. I, I want us for the first time become a great country. You know many people would say we've been great before, but I I I think we we have uh danced around greatness. But I don't think we can be a great country when we have um, the disparities that we have, when we have people in, in neighborhoods killing each other, um, when we have um, kids, uh, the mental health that we have, um, the amount of prescription drugs that we take, something wrong with that. That's sending a message. And I, I think that um, for the first time, we need to come together as a country and, and really begin to stand for each other and love each other and strengthen um, who we are um, and not just accept that that I'm okay. And if you're not okay, that's your fault. No, we can no longer do that. Uh, We're entering a time right now in in our country where it's time for us to take a stand and say, we're all Americans. We all stand together. We will be united, not just in a song, but in everyday life. And to me, that's that's how we're going to get there uh, with uh, educating our young people and the health and mental disparities that we have in our country. We got to deal with it uh, together. And to me, that's that's where I'm at right now. That's my focus.
0: Yeah, Mike, I, I know how much this means to you. We're going to have it linked up in, in the show notes here. But uh, for anyone listening, is there anywhere they should go check out to support this or, or find out more?
1: Uh, changingourperspective.org. org. Okay. Uh, that's our website. You can go and take a look at it and look at some of the work that that we're doing and continuing to do. And day by day, we're uh, we're gaining partners and gaining momentum. And I'm very excited about where we are and where we're headed.
0: Yeah, the single match you can do a hell of a lot there. And you're doing that. You're that change in the world we want to see. Mike, final question for you. I, I love doing this, right? Like getting to sit down with someone I just deeply admire and get to interview them for an hour. If you could do this long form interview with anyone dead or alive, just not a family member or friend, someone that we might know of, who would you love just to learn from and understand more about?
1: Wow. Woo. <laughs> if, if I could do that, probably the person that I would love to interview um, I'm, I'm, it's, it's coming to my mind. It's coming to my mind. Uh, a born, uh, born, uh, let's see, uh, in the 1800s, uh, crop rotation, um, uh, peanut, uh, George Washington Carver if I could sit down and talk to George Washington Carver, uh, I would love to have a conversation with him about how he was able to learn and stay humble and do so much uh, great things, uh, so many great things in his life. And, um, yeah, he, he served the country well in the midst of all of the hostilities and things like that. And um, he was an amazing individual. Absolutely. That's who it'd be.
0: Mike, well, you're one of those people that have made a massive change throughout your life, continuing to lead and positively create change in others. So I just want to thank you for that. This was an impactful conversation for me. And I know it's going to be for a lot of other people. So Mike Singletary, I can't thank you enough for joining us on What Got You There? God bless you. Thank you. You guys made it to the end of another episode of What Got You There. I hope you guys enjoyed it. I really do appreciate you taking the time to listen all the way through. If you found value in this, the best way you can support the show is giving us a review, rating it, sharing it with your friends, and also sharing on social. I can't tell you how much I appreciate it. Looking forward to you guys listening to another episode.